The We Think Collective podcast is brought to you in part by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial membership at audibletrial.com forward slash inbound. We Think Collective is also supported by Maymay Jewelry in Atwater Village. For 15% off your order, enter promo code WTC podcast at maymayjewelry.com. That's M-A-E-M-A-E jewelry.com. We have voices of an angel, so no matter what, they sound so good. So good. <laughs> that I mean, was so pretty. That's kind of our favorite. That was like a drunk person coming in. Our I was like, best ah. harmony yet. <laughs> our best harmony yet. Um, does my voice sound sexy? Hey, guys. <laughs> you want a side of fries with that? Did you know I can do a transvestite voice? It's very it's transgender actually now. We don't like to say transvestite. But my friend Serge, he told me that he loves my voice and that if I was to talk to him like this, it would really give him a rise. Wow. <laughs> okay. Wow. I'm done. Just put <clears throat> it in my mouth. My motherfucking mouth. In my motherfucking All right. mouth. <laughs> All right. That's so always my default song. P.S. If there's a moment I need to create a song, I use it in the tone of just put it in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> right? Look, I got a lot of things on my mind in that realm. Sorry. P-O-D-C-A-S-T. It's a podcast. P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Podcast. It's a podcast for you and me. S-T. Um, are we going to start like that or should we give them a little bit of Little Mermaid real quick? We already did Little Mermaid and he was recording. Right now? He's been recording this whole entire time. Okay, but are we like going to go into podcast mode? Like I didn't know we started podcasting. Am I that good? You know what? Greatness requires focus. Oh, and I'm here. I'm ready for it. Sometimes it takes 20 more minutes to warm up. I just, I think when you're ready to uh, to attach your focus to something, then it will be magical. And until then, it's just going to be like, ah! on a recording. Okay. <laughs> okay. Your focus is magical. My focus is definitely magical. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. That might be the subject of the podcast. Well, let's talk about my unfocus to figure out why my focus is magical because I do. I don't have focus sometimes. And I don't think that my non-focus times, they're probably my more brilliant times in my life right now, I would have to say. But I totally get why you mean by focus because I'm all over the fucking map some days, you guys. So I totally get it. But if I'm going to be frank right now, I'm in like such a creative moment in my life where so many new gifts are happening and I don't really know how to channel it sometimes and it takes me what others may seem as off focus but I just think it's just not the right timing and I'm all about timing sometimes and sometimes I just don't rush things so um yeah that's where we are in focus okay so I'm here. So is and that I, the beginning of our podcast? Dude, I'm totally focused now. I just let off my unfocused <laughs> to be focused. So I'm here, y'all. Podcast. Hey. 18 oh, hey. of y'all. Hey, boo. Up, hey, boo. I'm here. Boot up, boot up. Boot up, boot up. <laughs> what comes after that? I totally forgot the rest of the words. Everything you... No, I always want to sing everything you own in a box to the left. Different song. Way different song. Yeah. That's Beyonce. It's because I do medleys. I should have been a DJ. I, I make a lot of medleys. Oh my gosh. Would yeah. you play like 
the best white people playlist <laughs> ever. Okay, P.S. You guys, we've been hanging out at Heidi's house sometimes and at the Oasis, and we have these special playlists where all of a sudden they'll break into Steve Winwood. Don't get me wrong, that song Who's is kind Steve of the Winwood? best. Um, give me a higher love. Oh yeah, oh, that was good. That's a good give song. Give me a high. I mean, I don't think you can sing any more of it without having to know, pay a royalty. I know. I know. <laughs> um, but Steve Winwood, you are our heart. Um, in the that mornings, is a damn good song. Trust me. And then yeah. they broke into Lionel Richie, and I'm just like, yeah. huh? It was truly, truly. You know it was, that song. You know, it was definitely. I I can't remember what other songs before Lionel Richie came on. Mm-hmm. But it was a very white people playlist. And I was noticing that there was like, shake it up, shake it up, which is like so white people music. Everybody knows that. And I was just digging it. <laughs> we were like, oh, yeah, you are white. Yeah. That's right. Sometimes we forget. And then this music comes on like John Denver. And I'm like, country roads, <laughs> take me home. I'm oh, like, yeah. I'm like, how the hell do you know <laughs> these songs? Oh, man. I'm from those country roads, I know. Girl. I know, girl. You are potato. <laughs> so potato. You are so a freaking potato. I mm-hmm. get it. So what are we talking about today? First, let's talk about what you're obsessed with. I need to know what you're obsessed with right now wow okay well (laughs) i don't know which episode we're recording right now but i'm just gonna tell you what i'm obsessed with right now go because you asked me go and i just watched this series last night on net at netflix Uh uh-huh by with christiane amanpour love did i say her. her name right Yes. Christiane Amanpour. It actually sounds really good. Christiane, if you're listening. Christiane Amanpour. I'm just saying. She's a very graceful, elegant, and intelligent woman who's been a journalist for years, decades. Mm -hmm. Um, But she travels around the world talking to people in all these different cities um, and different cultures about love and sex. Yes, Christiane. Yeah. And P.S., I think she might be kind of conservative. So this seems like a big, like, it was big for her, I think, to do this. I'm just saying. And it was executive produced by Anthony Bourdain. Ah. You all know that's epic right there. These two rock stars coming together to go to different countries around the world Mm -hmm. to talk about love and sex. And sometimes, so what about it did you love? Oh, my God. Well, I love learning about new cultures, period. I just love learning about and... It's kind of seeing them and being immersed in them. Okay. And the way that she did the story in each city. So she did like Shanghai, New Delhi, um, Accra, Ghana. Um, She did... Beirut. Beirut, Lebanon, um, Tokyo, Japan. Um, Did I say Berlin already? Berlin, Germany. So she did all these different cities from New Delhi. Did I say that? Yeah. Okay. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks, buddy. Um. So you, she went in and she talked to people of different generations, different age brackets, different lifestyles to kind of go in on this particular and anything that was relative to that particular culture's sort of sexual history. Okay. She went in on that too. So like, for example, when she went to New Delhi, she wanted to study Tantra and like thought, well, I'm sure there's going to be like Kama Sutra and stuff like part of the culture but that really wasn't that much mm-hmm. but she ends up going and finding this whole like underground bdsm culture there right hmm. totally different it was crazy and cool and then like in japan i don't know it's just trippy how many societies 
how many societies had deep spiritual teachings around sex and sexuality and intimacy and love and romance, and how many of those societies had either chosen to or been forced to submerge that and hide it and that it's not a part of the tapestry of their culture almost anymore in a really sad way mm. in some societies, yeah, including ours, P.S., but that's another topic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so when you were telling me about this documentary series this morning and how amazing it is, I just started getting all of these thoughts about really what's happened in our culture regarding sex and love Mm-hmm. And how there's this big construct called, is it called marriage? <laughs> when two people get married in a church in front of something or someone and it's legalized and then all of a sudden you can get a tax deduction, a bigger one. Mm-hmm. That, is that called marriage? Yeah. Um, so it started making me think of all these things about marriage. And one of the things that I watched a documentary about the Japanese culture in Tokyo Mm -hmm. of men and women and how they have a lot of sexless marriages there. And you were talking about that this morning, right? Yeah. And it's almost like a societal norm there now. Yeah. There's a lot like in Japan, public displays of affection are frowned upon frowned upon. It's like a very uncouth. Yeah. It's like a very honoring society in a way where people aren't connected anymore on such a, a big level and that sense of intimacy and connection with someone is kind of lost. I I know I've had family that's been raised in Japan and like saying I love you to each other on a daily basis is not even kind of normal. Yeah, they were saying in this, um, the words for I love you in Japanese, they consider it like kind of silly and like just the way it even sounds. So they don't even say that to each other. They say like arigato, like they say thank you instead or they say I like you or I like you very much. Hmm. Which is cute. Um, I want to be liked by my partner, don't you? Like, (laughs) I I really want my partner to like me. I do like. On a basic level. But yeah. And then the other thing that was interesting about this documentary, um, specifically with Japan, Mm -hmm. she was talking about, they went into like the Edo period of Japanese history, I guess. I think it was the Edo period where they had like all of these like basically graphic novels of that time because graphic novels are a big deal in Japan now. They have crazy sexual like borderline pornographic novels, like graphic novels, manga, manga, whatever. Yes, right. right. But this actually goes way back to like the Edo period in Japan. And they had these scrolls that they pulled out like from the history books. Like they don't even show these in public anywhere. They're not even on display. They're so like graphic. And they would make these scrolls with the with the visuals of the sex things happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that would be like the gift you would give to a girl on her wedding night. I love that. For, and it would like be a, like a, a guidebook to teach her <laughs> what to do. And it's like graphic, like balls being tied up, like like so much going on. Very like blushy. Yeah. Um, old ancient scrolls from the 15th century, I think it was. Wait, okay. What's the Edo period? Yeah. 1603 to 1868 was the Edo period. Okay. So let's let's talk about this. I love what you're obsessed with because I'm kind of obsessed with that also right now, okay? Yeah. I mean, I'm not obsessed with sex. I'm just saying. Well, <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> Come on. Uh, 
Okay, no, so it's not, not sex. I think it's the intimacy, intimacy. and connection that yes. we are obsessed with. And how that's changed across the world over yes. time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. It, and so when I was younger... So what are you obsessed with about it? I'm obsessed with finding connection on a different level and redefining what intimacy is like. Oh, God, it just makes me feel good saying that. Okay. Because growing up, when I I, I was never taught about sex. I was never taught where your flower is and blah, 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 (laughs) whatever verbiage they wanted to use and urethra. You might have dodged a bullet, girl. You know, whatever. (laughs) But I didn't know what, I didn't even know like what sensual kissing was or when someone likes you, like they hold your hand and even small things. And yeah, granted, I experienced it through boyfriend, through relationships that that I had. But now that I'm older and I'm realizing all of these ancient ways of loving each other, like breathing into people and seeing people and caressing people in all these different ways, where maybe in the past it's been taboo because it's like, oh, you should do that. I'm like, no, 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 no. These are what my ancestors of ancestors of ancestors, and maybe I'm too part of the Edo period, Okay, maybe I have a lineage in the Edo period, but I want this secret fucking scroll, okay? I want someone to tell me how to pleasure my lover at a really, really spiritual heightened sense of mm-hmm. being. And because anyone can penetrate me. Okay, not 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 in wow. that sense. Y'all, hey guys, you heard that? Okay. You heard it here first. Y'all get your if mind. If you want to get in touch, <laughs> just email us, grow at We Think Collective. And Rena, she'll help you grow. <laughs> Believe that. Microphones be rising for her. Okay. Wobo, you know it. We got we got stiff ones around here. <clears throat> okay, all right, all right. Rain it in. But does that make sense? <laughs> it's like anyone can penetrate you. What? <laughs> That's the last thing I heard. I didn't hear anything after that. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. The meeting of spirit with body parts is very something that, okay, we get it, but what's the emotion behind it? And how do you connect on a deeper level when two spirits are really connecting in that way? That's the journey that I'm on. That's why everything from Tantra to Kama Sutra to all of these ancient teachings are really obsessing over right now. Yeah. You know, that was another interesting thing from this documentary. Mm -hmm. Um, In a couple of the different countries, I mentioned already Japan, um, New Delhi, in Accra, Ghana, for example, they talked to this young woman. Mm -hmm. And there was like this conflict between sort of the Christianity that the people had. In her wise words, this young woman said the colonizers came over with a Bible in one hand and a gun in the other. And my people had no choice but to choose religion, choose that religion or choose death. And that's very true. You know? And so now you have this society and this culture there and the the picture anyway that this this documentary gives where there's still these remnants of the older culture there where maybe there were men who had multiple wives or a wife, a mistress, a, a girlfriend, all of this stuff. But then somehow with the application of religion, there had been this massive disempowerment of the feminine in that culture where now the women, you know, are just supposed to be glad that they're being taken care of and and kept safe, quote unquote, like financially, like if the man is rich enough to support multiple women, then he can have multiple women. They will all respect and honor him, be loyal to him, be available to him whenever he needs anything, make him the food. This is all like socially the acceptable way. And yet in the ancient ways of their descendants and their ancestors, sorry, 
um, the woman was like a goddess and was revered and, and respected for her power as a creator. Mm-hmm. And there's something about how the adoption of religion, whether it's Christianity or like in Beirut, it was Islam, where the application or maybe the intermingling of the religion and the government during periods of corruption came to a place where it actually started to impose so much control over the people that they ended up shutting that that part of themselves down. They were no longer connecting and having intimacy with one another. It was no longer considered a part of the spiritual practice as it had been in the beginning. You know, like there were works that um, they found in this, um, in Lebanon, I think they were. These people had these ancient books that were written like, again, in the 15th century by like a... Iman or whatever, someone who um, was studying Islam and was a teacher of Islam. And the whole book was about sex and intimacy and about how it was both partners' responsibility to engage in this kind of in that way you were talking about on a spiritual level um, to create intimacy with one another and to maintain the sacredness of that relationship. And the guy was like freaking out because the word Muhammad and the name Muhammad was said on the same page as body parts and, and sex parts, you know? And he was like, Oh my God, we can't even like, that's why this book isn't even available. People can't even read it. Mm. It's not even available. Uh, what's it called? So, the forbidden something. So there you're, you're saying there have been so many things lost in translation because so of what has happened in our society over the last 2000 years. Exactly. Um, in the world, actually, in the last... We've lost wisdom, yeah. Yeah, we've... De- oh, my gosh. Okay, so there... This kind of brings me back. So I went to the Middle East back in in December, mm-hmm. right? And I went with three of my girlfriends. And mind you, you guys, we are all five-foot Asian women, okay? Um, and we <laughs> go to this country called Oman, which... I didn't even know where it was before I even went, but they planned the whole vacation. We went to Oman. Well, we decided we wanted to be safe and we hired a private tour guide. Very, very few tourists in Oman right now. It's a very, very um, Muslim country. It's very much uh, very traditional. Everyone wears traditional garbs still. Not everyone, but most people wear traditional garbs and the hijab. And, and those kind of things. And so we went and we got the most beautiful young 25-year-old tour guide named Abdullah. Me and the girls are like, we're going to be stuck with him for the next four days? Wow. White hijab. Just a beautiful man. Regardless of what your ethnicity or background is, he is just a good-looking man. So... At first, like the first day, he was kind of like playful and, you know, nice and whatever. And then the next day he revealed to us, like, you guys, I've never done this before. This is very rare in Oman. A guy cannot be left with four women like this, especially not of our culture. He goes, I can't even walk outside with my cousin to go to a fiesta. Mm -hmm. So let alone me be here with you guys. And everywhere we went, there were all these people he knew. Mm -hmm. And they were all looking at him and they're all like, hey, you know, like, what are you doing? This was like the first for their country. So before him, all of their lineage like followed the, the, you know, a lot. And I said, well, can you guys have premarital? I asked him all the questions, y'all. I asked him, have you had premarital sex and all these things like... You're not supposed to ask these people these things. I think that they could have taken me to the hills and sold me to the Taliban for all I know. Shit, you know? But guess what? I done asked him all these questions and it's so amazing to see his progressive mind. 
and to really start coming out of like, yeah, these are the old ways, but like, I think the new generation is really starting to incorporate things about what we feel is right and what we feel we know in our heart is good. And trusting that more intuition based versus just this all, you have to be this one box now. Mm -hmm. And he's all like, I could pick my wife if I wanted to, but I still want my mom and my sister to pick my wife for me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so crazy. So it kind of reminds me of your... Yeah, like in the sense that there's been some kind of progress in the society or whatever to where he could choose his own wife, but he's choosing to go back to the ancient wisdom or... or yeah, so so I asked him, I said, why would you let your mom and your sister? He goes, my mom and my sister are the closest thing to me. And they love me in a way that women, I want a woman to love me. And that's why I trust them to choose that for me because they'll sense, he, he didn't say the word energy, but let me just tell you, that's really what he was saying. He goes, I trust them because they understand who I am and they understand what energy would work for mine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting. I think, um, you know, those are, that's the culture from which sprang like Rumi, you know, and Sufism and all of these other types of um, mysticisms that um, are much less legalistic yes, than Islam or Christian and all of those things that came in after Christ died. Yeah. Um, And I find it very interesting that you know, uh, this, this person, Jesus Christ, who we have, you know, so many different religions based around to some extent, either they're based around acceptance of or rejection of his divinity or whatever, you know, the, the different dividing points are, but there's literally like so many religions that just go back to three different divisions of groups that followed his teachings after he died. And those religions which got kind of commandeered by, and I'm just going to say it, by the patriarchy and by the governmental and and political powers of the time who used them to their advantage to gain power over people, then became so legalistic in their expression of and their, um, I believe, like assignment of this is how you achieve closeness to God, that they actually snuffed out the aspects of our human nature that I believe are gifts from God to help us be more connected to the experience of the divine. And I'm not saying I think that sex is the you being close to God necessarily, but I do think that that intimacy, like you were talking about breathing into someone, how is that not close to the divine? You talk about the Holy Spirit, you talk about having a connection with someone that you can feel across the world and all these other things. That is our human body's way of experiencing the divine. It's a way for us to experience it. Oh, I don't know about y'all, but I go by feeling. I really do. And like being, I don't know if like the social constructs have really fucked me up. I'm going to be honest. You know what I mean? Because I go, probably have. you know, because I <laughs> just so you know, I, 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 I go fucked up. I do. I go back and <laughs> forth and I'm like, oh, well, are you supposed to be with one person forever? Like, sh- am I not finding my soulmate? Blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, I'm really just messing up my brain right now and really redefining my new belief system behind relationship and connection. Yeah, I, I really am. And intimacy and, and love. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Absolutely. It may, but I think when you're at this point where you're deconstructing it in your mind, it looks crazy to everybody else. Mm-hmm. It, like you have to be so okay with the response you're going to get from the outside world, aka, I don't know what kind of response we're going to get to this podcast. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but when you start going into these modes, you, you just go there and I don't know. Yeah. I think it's a weird time right now for a lot of women around the world, especially American women. Um, I think there's things happening in the cultural zeitgeist right now that have triggered a lot of women and men and brought up um, painful, traumatic experiences. And for a lot of women, um, and you and I have been talking about this a little bit this week because we both have people that we're very close to who've been raped Mm -hmm. and who didn't tell anybody about it for a while. And I think that with the Kavanaugh hearing that's going on right now and listening to that woman, Christine Blaisley Ford, Dr. Ford, give her testimony. Y'all, if you have been feeling heavy, like in the beginning of end of September, beginning October, seriously, it's not just you. It's yeah. the energy of the freaking world, mm-hmm. especially in the United States right now. So if there's a little mm-hmm. extra on your back, y'all sh- dance it out. <laughs> For sure. I mean, it, process it however you need to process it, but do process it and don't judge yourself. I, I had a lot of women saying to me, like, I thought I had processed and dealt with this so long ago. It's so old. And now it's coming back up and I'm feeling the feelings just like it was yesterday. And this is a part of the female and feminine experience. It doesn't mean that men don't have the same, same stuff. But I think for females, when we're feeling it, it's like we're in the river and the river has taken us sometimes with things like that, especially. And I had talked to a few women who were like, yeah, I thought I was processed through it. I don't know why it's coming up. And I was like, maybe it's the hearing. And they're like, what hearing? What are you talking about? They weren't even paying attention to the news. They had no idea. And I'm like, honey, it is happening because this is happening across the board for so many women. And the reality is so many of us carry shame around the times when we were assaulted. Mm-hmm. And the society that we live in has made it that way, that it's like, oh, well, you shouldn't have been there drinking and having fun. That's what you get. You're that girl. You deserve it. I can't even stand looking at you now. You know, it's like, wow, this is the kind of messages that have been put out in our society for so long. Oh, my God. Are you ready to talk about the movie analogy? Oh, my God, girl. (gasps) Girl. Okay, you guys. Yeah, because I read this article in Vox by this amazing um, writer that I will look up right now about 16 Candles. Oh, my god! You've seen that movie, right? Yes. This was like the movie of the 80s, y'all. Molly Ringwald, 16 Candles. And I didn't remember any of these parts, really, because I was kind of young when this came out. Yeah. Until Heidi reminded me. Well, I read this article by a woman named Constance Grady um, in Vox, and it was the rape culture of the 80s explained by 16 Candles. And I don't even know if I've seen this movie, but as I read the article, I was like, I kind of feel like I remember that. 
And I definitely remember the energy of that as being the reality of the time that I was coming up and in college. Okay, and so in. bring the scene. What's so the the premise of the film is Molly Ringwald's like this nerdy character, right? Who's always had this crush on the like sweetheart guy of the school. And somehow, magically, when the guy realizes that she likes him, he's just like, oh, her, she's so pure and virginal. And he realizes he likes her too, even though he's popular and he's actually already got a girlfriend who's the cheerleader. Okay. Okay. So there's this party and some kind of house party, like so many house parties we've been hearing about lately. Okay. There's a house party with high schoolers drinking. The girlfriend, the cheerleader girlfriend gets drunk at the party. Okay. She goes into her boyfriend's room to sleep it off. You would think that's a safe place. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I were drinking, I would probably be like, I'm going to go sleep it off in my man's room. I'll be okay here. Yeah. You'd think you'd be safe. Totally. Yeah. The dialogue of the movie, however, goes, um, and I'm going to mess this up, guys, so don't quote me on If you love Sixteen Candles, don't quote me on this. <laughs> um, but essentially, the boyfriend is just like disgusted that she's drunk. He makes a comment along the lines, I could have violated her 10 times over, but I just didn't even want to. Yeah. Yeah. And this is supposed to be a comedy PS. Um, he ends up giving her to the geeky guy, who she would have never looked at, by the way. Not because she's an asshole, but because she had a boyfriend, people. She had a boyfriend. Yes. Okay. Who passed her drunk, practically lifeless body off to the geek and says, here, you can have her. And we're looking at this as the observers of the movie of like, wow, the geek just came up. You know what I'm saying? No, the geek is about to commit date rape or worse, rape, rape, because she didn't even go out on a date with this motherfucker. Okay. Mm -hmm. She went to a party at her boyfriend's house. And went to go sleep it off in his room. And got passed off to another man, put in a car with him. He was supposed to be drunk, but apparently not too drunk to drive. Taking pictures of him with her, talking about like, you know, this fantasy kind of thing that he gets to be with the cheerleader. They, She ends up so drunk, she sits on his lap and says something about loving him, thinking it's her boyfriend. He goes along with it. And then in the morning, it's implied that they had sex. And she's like... Uh, He asks her if she had a good time and she's like, I don't know, but I feel like I did. She has to go with her feelings because she can't fucking remember because she was passed out, blackout drunk. Okay. And the whole premise of the movie is that she's supposed to be discardable. We don't like her because you know why she drank at the party. So she deserved that. Meanwhile, Molly Ringwald's character, who's the little innocent girl, the boyfriend has completely ditched his girlfriend passed her off to someone else to rape her while she's drunk. And we are supposed to be like, yay, she got the great guy. That guy's an asshole. Who wants that guy? Uh, Molly Ringwald, you could do better, girl. You need to drop that motherfucker. He's a rapist. Do you think He's that, an accomplice to a rape. Do you think that movie would get made today? I don't think so, especially not after Me Too. I think that that would get shut down because they would know immediately that they would... They would get destroyed for that. Hey, look, we've come somewhere in 30 years. We've come somewhere. We've come somewhere in 30 years. We've come somewhere, but you can understand why women who came up in that society, us. Yep. Dr. Ford. Yep. She was in high school in the 80s. Yep. You can understand why women like that didn't say anything when it happened to them. Totally. You can understand why the terminology at that time was train. um, They ran a train. Guys were running trains on girls. Do you remember that in college? Oh, yeah. Because I, I remember that from college. Yeah. There was, I, it never happened to me. I was very paranoid about being drunk, probably for good reason, frankly, because I heard all these stories. So I didn't feel safe 
frankly, to party or to have a good time, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But that being said, I definitely heard rumors about guys running trains on girls at parties, the frat parties, that kind of stuff. I just didn't like frats, BS. Yeah, I think my intuition is protecting me. I'm going to say there are asshole guys who thought they were entitled to women's bodies when they were drunk. Trust me, there are millions of women that have not told any stories. P.S. Like millions. And granted, there are men too that have not told stories. But I'm just going to say I'm going to say it's probably safe to say that there are way more women. So speaking of the men, um, there was this amazing article in the Washington Post. I heard about this on NPR. She wrote an article about. Basically, after this whole thing, all these women were writing her letters about their stories, what had happened to them. Mm -hmm. So, and most of them were saying they did not tell of everyone that they didn't tell. They didn't tell their dads. Mm. So she did an article about why your daughter's telling me about her sexual abuse. Oh my God, I just got the chills. What the? Yeah. And it's it's really moving. I I think you might want to read this one. And then after she published that, obviously she got a bunch of letters from fathers and from men who are like, man, I think I messed up because I told my daughter, if somebody ever messes with you, I'll kill him. You know, and I, I made statements like that to her. And I think what I did was I made it a, a place where it wasn't safe for her to tell me if something did happen. She didn't feel she could tell me. And moreover, it was like men who were fathers looking at their daughter like this innocent, whatever, whatever. If he heard that more of the women, it wasn't that they thought their dads wouldn't believe them. It was that they thought that their dad would believe them and would go kill the guy or that he would never look at them the same. Mm -hmm. And in some ways that kind of blamed them for it or blamed themselves for it. And they were trying to protect their dads from that. Absolutely. I think the first thing that I felt was that a lot of women will want to protect their dads Mm -hmm. for not feeling like they couldn't have protected their little girl. Yeah. Like seriously, that's yeah. how I think right now, yeah. and, I, and I and I get it. Yeah, and it's sad because I think that the society that we're in, it's like dads are then trying to teach you and moms like, don't drink, don't party, don't do this, don't do, you got to stay safe, so don't go anywhere alone with a guy. Da, 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 da. And it's like, guys, this is the wrong focus. We need to stop talking about how girls need to not be themselves, and start talking about how boys and girls need to learn to respect their own bodies. And respect other people's bodies. Yes. That you don't have a right to anybody else's body. And P.S., if you're doing things like that, you're forcing yourself on a woman when she's drunk. Do you think you have a lot of respect for yourself? How much do you value your sex when you're forcing it on someone? Seriously. Like, she doesn't even want it and you're forcing it? What Does that mean there's no woman out there that would want it? You yeah. clearly don't think your shit is that good. Get with it, man. Get with it. Get so with maybe it. we need to start with that. A little more respect, a little more self-respect and less shaming of women for doing what young people do. Exploring, experiencing life. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to endorse drunkenness at all. Drunkenness leads to problems. Yeah. That's why everybody should just smoke weed instead. <laughs> it's such a better yes. world. You know? I don't really hear too many people getting raped on weed. I don't. <laughs> just saying hashtag smoke weed yeah um no but for real though it's been a it's been an interesting and triggering last couple of weeks and i think it's bringing up a lot for a lot of women around sex and intimacy and what it means to feel safe and where's our power in that so that we don't walk around in this world feeling like victims trying to protect ourselves from some imminent attack 
how can we own our power and walk through the world aware of the ability to create life and to create transformation in situations, honoring our intuition, which is enough to keep us safe, you know? Yeah. I think when I think of feeling safe in, in a broader sense of, of where you are, and ladies, I'm really talking to you, how safe do you even feel in your own intimate relationship right now? Mm-hmm. How safe do you feel to tell your partner your needs and what you are really, where there's a desire and where there's a lack of and where, and how are you guys communicating? Because one of the things is I, I, I get we think about all this, but like, just go home first, right? Mm-hmm. And think about how safe you are in that space. And if you don't feel safe, you need to check in with yourself first. And what are you afraid to say? What are you afraid to say? Because you're afraid of what they're going to say back. So um, I was in conversation with someone last week and they're all, and we were talking about this and they're like, well, but I don't want to say anything because he's just going to yell or shut down and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, y'all. You got to bring it up and it's got to get somewhere. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because it's like this woman that constantly thinks about it, and then you're going to go 10 years and not say anything. And it ate you up that whole time and you suffered from it. So much. Yeah. So much. Um Yeah, I I think that's a great place to start. I mean, we can't necessarily and it's not our duty to change the world, right? Totally. We have to start with ourselves and who we're being in it. I think for me that's been a a big lesson that's been coming up around boundaries and speaking up and setting setting healthy boundaries for myself. Um, and I think both men and women have a hard time doing that Yeah. Um, in every culture. <laughs> you know, we're especially here though, and I know for myself, I was definitely taught to, to behave, to be good, to be polite, to be nice, to smile, to be happy, you know, those kinds mm-hmm. of things. And if I cried, I was told, you know, not to cry um, or my toe might get chopped off and then I'd have a real reason to cry, you know, mm-hmm. meaning whatever reason I had wasn't a good enough reason. And I didn't realize how much I had internalized that. And that as I got older, I'd gotten to a place where even when the emotions came up, I would judge my own emotions as being wrong. Like I was wrong for feeling that way. And so then I wouldn't even want to say it because it was like, oh, well, I shouldn't feel like that. That's a shitty way to feel. I'm a shitty person if I feel like that. So I just, I shouldn't say that, you know? And it's like, fuck that. It's what you feel. Your feelings don't have to be good or bad. They just are, you know? You, totally. just, you, you don't have to ride the wave. You can see the, uh, the wave of emotion coming towards you and decide, is that a, ride, a wave I want to ride? Ooh, that one looks like a good one. I want to mm-hmm. get on that wave. I'm mm-hmm. going to ride that wave as long as I can. That looks like a pipeline. Like, Otherwise, you might be like, damn, that looks like a fucked up wave. That wave is going to eat me mm-hmm. up. That wave is not taking me anywhere good. It's going to take me right into a rock. I'm going to go right under that wave and let that wave pass right through me. Mm-hmm. But you still have to acknowledge it. If you just ignore the wave, guess what happens? Boom. The wave takes you. It crashes you around. Your surfboard hits you in the head. You probably hit the bottom. It's very traumatic. Mm-hmm. It's not fun and then who knows you might end up rolling and tumbling around in that same wave over and over and over and over again barely able to even catch your metaphor girl give that I metaphor will keep going with this metaphor you just i could write it give that i metaphor. could ride this metaphor all day mm-hmm. oh didn't i like your pipeline <laughs> <laughs> you're killing me you're killing me small you're killing me um on that note <laughs> yeah i think we should uh ride this wave right on to the end of the podcast 
(laughs) (laughs) Ah! (laughs) All right, you guys. I'd love to hear what you guys think. Like what's been coming up for you um, in everything in this environment that we're in right now? Um, There's no good or bad. Whatever you're feeling, we're here for it. We'd like to hear it. It's just like Maymay. Your feelings are welcome. Happy Happy or sad. Come if you want. Your heart will be glad. Maymay, Maymay. Come to Maymay, Maymay. The jewelry that loves you back. The jewelry that loves you back. Hey, P.S., you can get 15% off Maymay if you use the code WTC podcast on our website, maymayjewelry.com. I'm just saying we're kind of dope. And let me just tell you, follow both Maymay Jewelry and Weathan Collective on Instagram. And the reason why is every morning I open the store, I dance. And I dance in front of the store to probably your favorite song. So if you want 15 seconds of happiness... Join me. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.